everybody, it's Comics on Infinite Earths. I'm your host, John, and with me is... Heather. And this is a show I have been kind of talking a little bit about and anticipating, if you've listened to the shows I've done with Michael. This is a uh, little series that we read that I really felt like Heather should should comment on this because <laughs> it's very much, I, I felt, in her wheelhouse. <laughs> Well, uh, okay, I don't know about that, but okay. Well, sense of humor-wise oh, and yeah. stuff like that, yeah, it yeah, yeah. very much felt like something where I was hoping, at least, you would enjoy this. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, before we get, get to what it is, what is your relationship with X-Men comics and the universe in general? Um, the comics... Vaguely, as far as, like, my experience with X-Men in, well, and most Marvel comics, um, is what I've seen in TVs and movies. So, I saw the 90s X-Men cartoons, so it's like, I know basically who they are, but as far as, and and basic storylines of some arcs, but other than that, eh, very, very limited knowledge. Well, because what, what we looked at was Excalibur's uh, The Cross-Time Caper, and it's the, I would, I don't want to say it's the first main arc, because they did a few things prior to this. This is like, starting like, episode, uh, issue 12 or something like that. Yeah, it's so 12. We've had the team form, we've had them go through uh, the big Inferno crossover, so stuff has happened for these guys. Which they do reference, because they do bring up Inferno, and they put it in quotation marks, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. But this particular arc does very much start in media res, because of events that happened prior to this. Uh, before we get that, I'll run into run yeah. into a little bit of that stuff. Yeah, they just kind of chuck you in. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, and because it's issue yeah. 12 of a series, and all of a sudden... Yeah. Well, yeah, and so it's like, you give it to me, and I'm chucked in at issue 12, and I'm like... Who are these people? I don't... Wait, what? Okay, okay. So it took me a couple of issues to figure out who everybody was, because I don't always know full names. Well, tell me, who are Excalibur? Okay, so from what I can remember, and from what I understand, we have Brian Braddock is Captain Britain. Yeah. Uh, we have, um, oh, I forget her name already. Oh, no, uh, Rachel uh, Summers, who is Phoenix. And then we have Kitty Pride, who's Shadowcat. We have um, Nightcrawler. Um, who's Kurt, Nightcrawler? Uh, Kurt Wagner. Yep. And then we have Alistair... Uh, Alistair Stewart. Stewart, yeah. Yes. That's it. And then... Um, Megan? I don't ever remember if she has a last name. Honestly, I've read I've read a, quite a few of these. I can't remember if she has a last name either. Yeah, and, and so then, then there's Megan and... Is there anybody else? That's... I'm forgetting. I think I'm forgetting somebody. Well, you are... like the weird little robot widget and the dragons. Yeah, we have uh, Lockheed and then the other dragon that's powering their Nazi train through. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it was a Nazi train. That oh. was <laughs> well. <like> here's <laughs> here's what happens prior to prior to this. Uh, Brian Braddock. Uh, well, let's let's go back in time a little bit. Captain Britain. Uh, his entire deal is that he's given powers by Merlin, and yes, it is that Merlin, yeah. who is one of the people who kind of, I don't want to say governs the entire multiverse, but it's to that effect, where he's 
there's all these multiverse things. It's you know, like Earth, a little council or something. Yeah, it's like Earth 616 is one of many versions of the world, of the universe. And so there is... Essentially, Captain Britain is technically, I guess, one of the most important characters in the entirety of the multiverse because... Because in, comic books? Because comic books, <laughs> yes. <laughs> very much so. And in, like, World Zero is a thing called Otherworld, where the Captain Britain Corps basically kind of watch over all of the multi-realities and... Uh, are... Multi-dimensional police force, huh? Exactly. Okay. And, they, and they're governed by this woman uh, who you meet at the very end of it, yeah. Opal Luna Saturnine. Okay, yeah, I was like, I could not... I, I The Opal Luna part, I got, but her last name, I was like... How did they say that? Yeah, Saturnine. Yeah. yeah okay. And she uh, also has a very passing uh, appearance to one of Braddock's old girlfriends. Mm -hmm. So she kind of exists in in the multiverse as well. Yeah, because she shows up a couple of times as other people. Yeah. And, they, and she gets mistaken for, like, her her doppelgangers get mistaken for her. And they're like, wait, what? And, and oh, no, you're not that person. Okay. That happens a lot. Yeah. Well, what happens prior to this is the Captain Britain from this Nazi-controlled uh, dimension shows up, gets into a fight with our our Brian Braddock, and knocks him out, steals his clothes, and does a total uh, black spider on him. Okay. Which which is a reference to something that we'll talk about in a future show. Uh, but he yeah, knocks him out, takes his clothes, and is just like, that. that's the one you're looking for right there. Yeah. And he ends up actually getting killed by uh, Psylocke, who okay. uh, is uh, Betsy Braddock, and back when she wasn't uh, body-swapped Asian. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, she he tries to rape her, because it's technically not his sister, and yeah. all that weird, creepy stuff, and she <laughs> kills him. Oh, like, there's some of that that's like, yeah, well, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well... It, it, some of that stuff that happens in those later issues with, uh, with, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Ross. Uh, why can't I think of her first name? Oh, yeah, the, the, oh, the, the girlfriend. The, the doppelganger, uh, uh, Courtney? Cor Courtney Ross, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her deal is, uh, in looking for Cap her Captain Britain, the Nazi ruler of that dimension crosses over into ours, kills Courtney Ross and takes over. Which now brings a lot of that stuff into, uh, into uh, new light, doesn't it? Yeah. Recontextualizes the weird sexual energy. Yeah, this is creepy. Yeah, but be like, let alone the later with Kitty in the coat. Yeah, where yeah. she just, <laughs> where it's very obviously on Kitty, who's fifteen. <laughs> yeah, just very obviously seducing her, and there's so much sexual stuff going on. And okay, Excalibur is one of the many books that Chris Claremont wrote because he he essentially shaped uh, the X universe for quite a while and a big part of it is uh he whether you believe it or not you know or you think that he did or not there's a lot of gay coding that happened in a lot of these things especially surrounding kitty pride and rachel gray okay. or rachel summers at yeah. that time and if they're, they're roommates and best friends and then yeah. then they seem awfully jealous of each other. Yeah. And also, actually, uh, it's not like uh, that, but Colossus's sister, Magic, when she gets aged up to a, a age-appropriate uh, <laughs> level for a relationship with a 15-year-old girl, <laughs> hey. uh, there's also a little bit of that there, too. Oh, gosh. But, 
Excalibur kind of came up as a book that was a little more silly as opposed to the not necessarily dark all the time, but uh, the seriousness that is the X-Men books. Oh, yeah. Where it's the allegory of the underdogs, the, the civil rights things, and, and all these uh, things. Excalibur is more like, hey, let's go do some goofy shit. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very very much Doctor Who goofy, goofy shit too. So it's alternate dimensions, different times as well. So it's it's a little odd, but it's like it, it's almost a what if this happened, and then they just did that a bunch of times and stuck it all together. <laughs> yeah, because at, at this time they had a uh, comic book series What If, where creators would go and it's like, oh yeah, you know what? What if instead of we killing uh, Electra, she lived at the end of this story arc? Or someone else became Ghost Rider, you know, Aunt May gets spider powers, yeah. things like that. So the the idea of the multiverse existed, but Excalibur really leans into it in the cross-time caper, because, as I said, it starts Meteor Res, where they're escaping this Nazi version of, of Earth, and they steal a train, and this weird little robot dude that just appears one day has, seems to have this ability of opening up gateways to other worlds. So this train just ends up disappearing from Nazi, you know, Nazi Earth and appears in this medieval fantasy Earth. Yes. But and that's And that's where it drops us first off with issue 12. <laughs> and it's... And it's crazy because it's exactly what you would think of of, of Arthurian uh, fantasy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Except our knight has sunglasses and is got a Walkman. A Sony Walkman and a sword that uh, expands out like um, like the billy clubs or whatever, or the that you know you like, yeah. see in police use real ching, and then it's like this stick that you can beat the shit out of people with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's But yeah, his sword does that. And it's and you end up just kind of having this, yeah, it's 1990s Britain just recontextualized in a weird fantasy world. Yeah. So you have the British royal family. Yes. And I was you look at like going, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute because I do I don't remember now he's a little older than us. So, uh the actual like as far as like the our real life Prince William is in this story. He doesn't look like it, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, hey, Prince William, I get it, I get it, Britain, ha ha ha. I was like, was that on purpose? And mentally in my head going, that'd be funny. And then further on in the arc, you see his mother, who looks remarkably like Princess Diana, but you never actually get to hear what her real name is. No, they, they never mention her. Out of the royal her. family, the only one who's named is William. Diana and the Queen do not have names. Yeah. Although you also do get to see Charles, too, which is... Yes, but they, they just call him the Prince. They yeah, don't call, you know, no actual names. And he the art for him isn't as accurate. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess it's close. He kind of toned it down a bit, but okay. Yeah, and it, it also, this, it's not, not the first instance of this, but the storyline, especially this part of it, gives you a little bit of the, we're going to take Captain Britain and make him into a total joke. <laughs> because, I mean, Captain Britain is kind of a, he's a very self-serious character, but he's also, he's like just overpowered in a way, where it's like, he can fly, he's invulnerable, he can do all this stuff, and he's a super scientist and all this other shit, yeah. and it's, you get to the point where it's like, yeah, he's gonna go to, he's gonna have some fisticuffs, and then he gets his ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everybody kicks Brian Braddock's ass. Yeah. 
Well, and, like, they explain, kind of, that he draws his power from Great Britain, like, the land itself. And since it's not his Great Britain, he's not as at his usual strength. He's not on his home world, so it's technically not his energy. It's not his, you know, his normal stuff. Whereas, like, Megan is very similar to that. So when she gets to the fantasy land, she's, like, super happy because it's closer to what she actually needs than her own home world. Yeah, which is, her powers are a little more nebulous because uh, she is, if I remember the phrasing right, she's an empathic metamorph. Which kind of means that she has shape-changing abilities, but it's kind of based around other people's perception of her, as well as her own personal perception. Because okay. the very first time you meet her in in comics, she is basically kind of like a weird bat creature. And Oh, yeah, because they do that later, when they get to like this really toxic planet, and she's this crazy bat creature, and they... they She's they're in prison because being a mutant on that world is a crime. Yeah, and Judge, so, this Judge Dread kind of world. Yeah, and so like they escape, and because Nightcrawler helped her escape, he knew his Meg, and so like she became his projection of her. As far as like she read from him what his Meg is like, and became that instead of the bat creature that she was. Yeah, because it's kind of a fucked up thing because she becomes this beautiful girl because Brian Braddock kind of wants a new hot, sexy girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there's also a little bit of uh, tension in the ranks between Megan, Captain Britain, because Captain Britain's also, aside from being kind of a you know he's great at everything all the time sort of thing, he's also an alcoholic and he's an asshole. I was gonna say he's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is Nightcrawler sees this, and Nightcrawler is well. I will always say X twenty three is the best X Men of all time. Nightcrawler is the best X Men of all time. Yeah, he's the best classic, and he's so nice and so great. And Megan deserves better, and she deserves Nightcrawler. Yeah, I agree because like even the, even in the ones that I've read, you can see how Megan and Nightcrawler behave towards each other, and then. You see her with Brian, and you're like, dude, she should totally be with Kurt, because they seem way better matched than Brian, because he's kind of a jit, he's kind of a dick, and he kind of ignores her. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is like, there's that, while, yes, I, I mentioned, I say Excalibur is kind of goofy shit, it does have, obviously, darkness, because they talk about rape and murder and stuff. Yeah. But there, it, are some, there are some fucked up parts. It knows, but it also knows when to tone it back. Which, <laughs> but like I said, yeah, like there's this undercurrent thing, and there's still got to have drama because you know at the end of the day, all X Men comics are soap operas. Yeah, this is this is just the kind of goofy uh, sides <laughs> sides to it. Yeah, where they'll they'll cut back to one where it's like, oh yeah, America is like the modern civilization, and Britain is the Wild West. So, because they never actually technically leave Britain. It's like yeah. they're always in they're always in Great Britain in quotation marks, but just different dimensions. So it's like then it's like they it's in the the desert. Great Britain's a desert and they're being chased by Indians who are wearing top hats and monocles and speaking like stereotyped English. That <laughs> like pip pip cheerio and they're chasing them on horses. I'll say that is one of the best that's actually one of the best issues because the they, the, the, the A story like, yeah, the A story, and we'll we'll get to this one in a little bit. But the A story is one thing, but you get these little intercuts of them in a couple of different 
different worlds. As they're, like, running back towards the ship going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, we yeah. fucked shit up. Because, to be fair, this is this arc runs about 12 issues. Uh, there is, like, in the middle of it, there's a fill-in that uh, doesn't, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. It's, like, set prior to all their other events. And it's not bad, but it just... Not necessary. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. And I, we didn't really, I didn't, no, didn't focus you, you on didn't, that. you didn't have me read that one. You're like, skip issue 20. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it gives you kind of a good idea of what uh, Megan's powers kind of can be. Yeah. Because at one point she's fighting a dude and she turns into Godzilla because she she needs to be a monster for him. Yeah. So she literally becomes Godzilla and stomps the shit out of this dude. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, these things where you have this, yeah, like I said, this A story that has has a impact for later on, but the B story is just, yeah, they're in the Wild West. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. Yeah. And it's like... Random little bits. I'd like to see the one with the Wild West. That one seemed like that one would be very silly. Although one that they didn't, uh, they, they basically... Issue 14 of Excalibur is essentially a Mad Magazine parody of Marvel Comics. Oh, yes. Although they technically have that because they had the series What The... Yeah. But yeah, this was essentially, uh, it basically boils down to the Impossible Man, who is kind of like uh, the Marvel version of uh, Mr. Mixaplet. Okay. Or Batmite. Basically just kind of playing with his toys. Yes, yes. We're, as we're talking about what happens to, or what happened to, um, oh man, no, I can't remember his first name. Brian Braddock's brother. Yeah. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, yeah. And... Uh, he... That's that's another story where I think that was in Captain Britain, not in Excalibur, but Brian, to, to go back where Jamie pops up, his brother is one of the most powerful mutants of all time, but he doesn't manifest his powers until adulthood. And that's because Jamie Braddock is a piece of shit. <laughs> he is a genocidal, psychotic asshole. Uh, Brian Braddock is told, oh, my brother's in danger. I need to go rescue him. And when he goes to find him, he discovers that, oh, no, his brother is being held by this by this mad scientist guy. Doc Croc. But Doc Croc's not in the wrong for holding him and torturing him because yeah. Jamie was basically a giant piece of shit and raped and murdered and did all kinds of horrible things. So Brian Braddock basically just kind of went, you know what? I fuck him. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see this. Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> fuck him. Well and no, I mean like as, as in like, nope, peace out, I'm done. I have nothing to see here. Yeah, which is I get that, yeah. Yeah, which is why Technet, uh Technet is Yeah, I was say because Courtney in quotation marks go has Technet go and ca- and uh and, res- get, and rescue him. And yeah. that's after his powers is manifested and yeah. starts wreaking havoc. Yeah, because Technet is a mercenary group from from the out, you know, uh, multi realities, and they are technically they are the past incarnation of a Doctor Who uh, car- a group of mercenaries called the Special Executive. <laughs> and so, yes, Doctor Who exists in the, not only exists in the Marvel universe, but is running around doing shit in the Marvel universe <laughs> because. Marvel did have the license to the Doctor Who comics at one point, and all that stuff is, because Technet is canon, all that stuff is canon. Yeah. Well, and in one of the issues, a Dalek shows up, yeah. and uh, the uh, super secret uh, British organization who deals with weird shit is... is the, uh, the Weird Happenings Organization. Yeah, the Weird Happenings Organization, or the acronym of WHO. Yes. So there, there were a couple of nice little Doctor Who references that I was like, meh. <laughs> yeah, and that's the same thing where I go, Alistair Stewart and his sister are supposed to be, like, the children of Brigadier Lethridge Stewart mm-hmm. from Doctor Who, 
So they're also technically who you know, who characters as well. Yeah. Although again, even though all this since they don't have the license, none of this actually happened. <laughs> but it's but it's still technically canon. Yeah. But I do I do also love the fact there's a character in this and uh, Nigel For- uh, Frobrusher. Oh, Frobrusher, yeah. He's he's a slimy little fuck who apparently is a slimy little fuck in all realities. Yes, 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 because he's in several, and several of his his multi-dimensional characters are still slimy fucks. Yes, he always thinks, and because uh, Rachel Summers has telepathy, uh, she's the one who powers Widget. She's also the one who sends Kitty Pride back in time. For uh, uh, Days of Future Past. Past. Yeah. See, I do know that. I do know that I know in the movie it's actually Kitty Pride that goes back and not Wolverine. So it's like, I do know a little bit, but not... What's also funny is Days of Future Past is literally two issues of the comic. And yet it has... It is a whole movie. Well, not a whole movie. It's defined so much of the X-Men universe. Yeah. And created characters and all that stuff. And yet it's only, yeah, two issues. (laughs) But yeah, Nigel seems to have this way about him of always pissing off Rachel Summers because he usually has the most vulgar thoughts about her. Oh yeah, he's a giant sleazeball. And also ends up uh, becoming uh, becoming a woman. <laughs> oh yeah, point. yeah, yeah. For the first time he comes up to TechNet and uh, like a couple of the members have some fun with him, including changing him into a woman and as well as changing, well, okay, so no, he wanted to be the perfect man but also he wanted to be just like his boss so he had courtney ross's face and like this you know muscle bound like bodybuilder type body until waxworks got a hold of him and turned him into putty and mushed him around but eventually the powers wore off and he returned to normal mostly except he was still blonde after yeah and i'm not gonna go into who technet are because that's kind of not i suppose that's not important but they're weird, and they have messed up powers, and... You could do a whole episode on them alone. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're stuck on Earth because they were hired to capture Phoenix. Yes. And they keep failing. Yes. <laughs> well, also, it doesn't help that currently She's they're gallivanting... <laughs> yeah, they're gallivanting around the multiverse anyway. Yeah, so... But... And they were hired by Saturn 9 yeah. to bring Phoenix back, to bring Rachel Summers back to her, because apparently she's a danger to every universe. Well, yeah, because she's the Phoenix. Yeah. And Phoenix, you know, we prior to this, we had the Dark Phoenix saga and all that stuff, so. Oh, yeah. Well, because obviously Rachel Summers is the daughter of Jean Grey and Scott. Yes. So. Yes, future daughter of them, even though they never actually ever, even up to this point, have never had her. Yeah. They have two kids, which only one of them has actually been born. Yeah, so. But yeah, so she's their daughter, which is like, you know. And apparently, you know, at some point, Jean dies, so at least uh, because Rachel experiences it. So we know she dies somewhere, and she keeps losing her mom in the comics, too, in the alternate versions, where it's like, she, they come across her, I think, at least twice, and at, she dies both times. In continuity at this time, Jean Grey is alive. She has actually returned to life, because she dies, uh, becomes Phoenix, dies... And then comes back, but then it turns out the phoenix that became Dark Phoenix was actually just the phoenix thinking it was Jean Grey. Because... I don't know. (coughs) Because comics. (laughs) This this is why I don't get too into it, because I know that they do stupid shit like this, where it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna make this so confusing. And I'm just like, you know what? No. 
It, it's I love X Men comics because of the messy continuity. Even though it is, you you want to bash your head against the wall uh-huh. sometimes. It hurts my brain. And if I'm gonna read comics, I want it to be silly, like Deadpool or anything done by Scotty Young. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the thing. They again, we've kind of jumped ahead a little bit to TechNet, but we'll go back to the Mad Magazine one. Oh yes, where yeah, it's the Apostle Man playing with his toys. So we have Rick Jones, who's the the sidekick to the stars. Uh, you know, he's from from uh, yeah, like because from the Hulk. Like, from I was like this is from eighty nine, so of course. Yeah, he's you know from the Hulk, from you know Captain America. We, if you know Marvel comics, Rick Jones has always kind of been a staple of them, mm-hmm. and he's you know, gosh golly gee, what kind of adventures are we gonna go on? And very Robin esque. And you have this very just as I said, well, it's kind of like, it's a Mad magazine. Good version of this mm-hmm. of this world where you know characters are not exactly who they seem uh giant man has has become so huge at this point where if he moves he causes uh, tsunamis and you know disasters well giant man who is hank pym who yeah. is ant-man just for those who don't know because at the time i didn't until they said it because looking at him he doesn't look like the ant-man i know and i'm sitting there going who is this? And then they're like, oh my god, it's Hank Pym. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's also, his costume is different in this. Right, but that could also be an, a, a thing of like, oh, it's an alternate reality. So, of course, the, you know. That's the other thing, is that some of the terms they use in here, like with the cross-time caper, it's basically, yeah, traveling to alternate realities in multiple dimensions. You're traveling the multiverse. Yeah. You would think cross-time would be across time but you're instead crossing time by dimensions yeah so it's 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 funny because when it was written the multiverse and multi-dimensional terms weren't in a whole lot of use yet so that's why cross time was used instead of just time travel because time travel was moving up and down your own time stream in or well not even as well, I mean your dimensions time stream whereas cross time was then switching to an alternate reality and like some of the other things that we get in this this little uh, thing hulk is basically a wuss uh, Captain America is Deathlock. Yeah. Uh, basically, heroes just and villains are just literally fighting in the streets for no real rhyme or reason. Right. Uh, some of the little wa- uh, random things include like Enchantress is doing Medusa's hair, <laughs> which yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a bit where there are multiple Wolverines all doing line readings. Oh yeah, they're all auditioning for something, and they're all mul- different kinds of Wolverines from different time periods. And there's also one where Alan Davis and uh, artist Alan Davis and the writer Chris Claremont are basically just sitting there being waited on by all these sexy girls, including. Okay, so that's who they are. Yeah. Okay, I did notice that, but I didn't get the who, no, who they are. Who yeah. they were. In fact, doesn't one of them show up again later in the? Um... Yeah, Alan Davis shows up again later. Okay, okay, so that was them. I did kind of figure that when they were trying to, to pass off Phoenix as something else, and he's like, wait. Or maybe in the oh, reference actually, department. No, actually, maybe it is Claremont. No, 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 it is it is Davis Other- because they're talking about she looks different. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's yeah, Davis. It's as far as the artist. Yeah. Yeah, and the, like one of the things that literally, the first thing that truly said I wanted you to read this was, there's a panel that has a Dalek in it. Yeah. And they, they say, they say out of the way robot or something like that. They ref, they do acknowledge that there is a yeah. Dalek in the room. They just don't call it his name. Yeah, they, uh, the literally there's a line where Kitty Pride looks at it like, just try it, bub. 
I'll show you exterminate. Yes. That's what I was like. <laughs> That's funny. But the next the next issue of this whole thing is, yeah, where they discover uh, Jamie Braddock and his reality warping powers. Right. And, and I agree, because you, you had said that you like how they demonstrate that, rather than just, like, the yellow halo around someone's head doing, I'm doing something with my brain, where you actually get to see, visually, like, see how he does it. Yeah, it's... I'm not sure when the idea of string theory came around. I'm I'm terrible. It was, it was at, probably the 80s. It yeah. might not have been like out of like mainstream, like where you know we can go to Starbucks right now and discuss string theory and have two or three people know what we're talking about. There it was probably a very rare concept, but yeah. But you have this whole thing where Jamie Braddock, because he's been tortured by Doc Croc, he's been messed up. He's, he's gone a little crazy. Um, and You can knock and no one's really home. It's, yeah. He thinks he's in a dream. Yeah, he's he's basically just kind of, everything is now a dream, and it's the most surreal, uh, you know, thing that he can imagine. But now he sees kind of like the strings that make up people. Yeah. And if he, oh look, I can just pull this one and look what happens. Yeah, so he starts experimenting. Yeah, and... It's, yeah, what happens when you make one of the worst human beings, but give him essentially the most godlike of abilities? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, it only takes a little bit to screw us up, because we have, like, 99% of our DNA is shared throughout the entire planet, so it's like, it's that 1% that makes us different, and all you gotta do is tweak a little bit, and boy, is shit fucked up. Yeah, and that's the thing, where it's like, there's, you never really think of depth in a comic book. In mm-hmm. a lot of cases, I mean, there there are those, you know, things where you're like, oh yeah, the Watchmen or Sandman or some of these things where it's like, oh, there's a lot of thought and, you know, intelligence read. But in a superhero comic where it's all punchy punchy and you go like, holy crap, Jamie Braddock, you know, like I said, in the visual representation of this becomes one of the most brilliant uh, commentaries on DNA, on everything. Yeah. As far as, like, because they, they physically show you what he sees as far as, like, oh, hey, there's this person, and it's shaped like a person, but it's all made out of strings, and he just reaches out and pulls this one tiny little one, and this per- and the person that he does it to, something horrible happens. I forget exactly what it is, because he does it a lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it just, he unravels you. He does all kinds of terrible things. Yeah. But he also, at the end of the day, TechNet does survive. Because the entire thing was, yeah, Court, uh, our evil Courtney Ross basically knows that Jamie has all his powers and makes sure that she's got him under, in, right. in her power. Yeah. But it what comes up next is probably my favorite arc of this arc, <laughs> which is the uh, Princess the, of Mars. I know! I was sitting here, that's what I thought too, where I'm like, oh my god, are they like on Mars? Because it looks like it. Although, like, technically they haven't, I mean, up until Saturnine takes them and actually brings them to wherever she is. I, yeah. I was always under the impression that they never actually left Britain. They were yeah. just other things until this issue. And then I was like, okay, yeah. I guess we're on Mars now? I don't, well, well they're, in, they're in deep space. We know this only because of this little this little part of the, of the cross-time caper. At the very end, right as they're leaving, we discover that not only were they actually back in the 616 universe, but they're in deep space because they Kitty Pride sees Charles Xavier, who at that point in yeah. time had uh, gone off with his uh, space bird girlfriend, Leandra Lil- uh, of the Shi'ar Empire, and is running around with the Starjammers. Yeah. Because she's like, oh my god, it's the Starjammers! 
hers, and they're like, meh. Well, no, it's not Kitty Pride because she... No, she, yeah, she sees it. No, she makes it home before the others. No, that's after, that is after, that's after, that's the anime arc. Oh, okay. Where she ends up back, she ends up alone. Okay, yeah. But yeah, she... This was like, sometimes, well, see, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't really matter. Except for, yeah, at one point, Kitty Pride becomes separated. But yeah, it's it is the comic where you truly get probably the best Nightcrawler story. Yeah, because he gets to be his swashbuckling self. He gets to he gets laid. Oh yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves Nightcrawler. But this, this is this is his time to shine. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you get everyone else. You know, uh, Kitty Pride and. Uh, and Rachel Gray get their get get moments for them too because at that point everybody kind of loses their powers. Mm-hmm. So they like, also get separated on the Mars planet too. But it's also it. I also think this is a somewhat weak arc at the same time because the resolution is okay. We have we we're starting this epic story and then we're going to tell the second half in kind of flashbacks. Yeah. We're now going to tell you a story. Oh, and how does it end? Oh, it was all okay. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> wait, what that ended quickly give me a couple more episodes of this yeah i I truly i truly kind of wish we had a little bit more because yeah it's like rachel loses her you know really loses her powers and is happy because she does not you know as a as a telepath you're not having to hear people's thoughts this is is the first time she comes across an alternate jean gray as as because she goes off and lives off and yeah yeah, you're right you're right you're right you're right she does she runs after she loses her powers she freaks out a little bit and runs off to try to figure herself out and she ends up on a farm with her an alternate version of her mother and who dies and but like yeah she's she's happy without her powers and she also becomes a really badass uh assassin assassin. yes well because that's also one of the fun fun things that occasionally gets forgotten about Kitty Pride is Kitty Pride's a ninja. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not in I'm not joking about this. Like, oh yeah, they they made no, literally, she goes to Japan, gets brainwashed, and becomes a ninja. Mm. So she has ninja fighting skills. <laughs> well, not only that, but and like whereas um Rachel, she's similar because as far as like she's trained with Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, is this book, again, like like all the things, especially because that is Claremont's work too, mm-hmm. is why the continuity is always fun because oh yeah we have all these random things that we had to do to fill you know fill content and it turns and it really does kind of paint a very <laughs> interesting picture of a lot of these characters yes. but now Excalibur as i said was written by uh, Claremont and the art team does vary from issue to issue the best art in it is by Alan Davis who kind of starts it and then starts kind of fading out and oh, here we get to the anime one <laughs> yeah the <laughs> You get you get to the anime issues in issue eighteen and which in my head I I kind of think what happens because this is a, so in in issue eighteen here this is a reality that's created by Brian Braddock yeah. he's basically controlling them and so um oh, uh, Jamie Braddock Jamie Braddock. oh yeah not Brian sorry the the crazy dude and so <laughs> so I think what happens is like as far because the the characters comment on that you look a little different and i think it's because like it's in his imagination and the two cops that show up and blow everything to hell look very anime like so then their art style kind of starts bleeding into them as far as like in jamie's head so that they start to physically change because of it yeah and that's the thing is like yeah these two cops that show up are the anime uh characters the dirty pair (laughs) 
And yeah, there it's the you know it's like they're referred to as the lovely angels, and then we also have Speed Racer getting mm-hmm. referenced because one of the things that Jamie Braddock was, and this is true, was well, he's a race car driver. Yeah. So Speed Racer. <laughs> yeah, happens. it's it's th- this whole arc is basically like Speed Racer, Mad Max, and then these two anime cops. Like as far as like that, those are the two main things, like the three main things that come to mind immediately when I think of this issue. So Jamie Braddock's basically kind of controlling this thing, this this entire reality, and Widget, in a way to protect Kitty Pride, essentially sends Kitty Pride back to the six one six. Only problem is he sends her exactly where Jamie Braddock. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she's now in the room with the madman while everybody else is kind of fighting a even more godlike version of Jamie Braddock. Yeah. But we kind of, you do get the, Megan is now a one-woman X-Men core. Yeah. Because she ends up basically taking on all the abilities of all the X-Men at that time. Yeah. Well, and then later, okay, so from what I understand, um, Phoenix and Megan have a weird psychic thing going on as far as, like, when Phoenix is asleep, she's changing Megan. Like, as far as, like, they wake up and they look like each, like, uh, the opposites, you know? Like, and so, from what I've gathered of what had happened, because they never actually, like, fully explain it. Yeah, it's like, the, the best ex- explanation you get is, our powers are in sync. Yeah, as far as, like, they, you know, Phoenix and Megan, like, basically mentally share one body for a while. And so, like, Megan, who takes on the appearance of whatever, you know, whatever person around her is, uh, wants or needs, when they become so close that Phoenix is, like, in her head all the time, then Megan can become anyone that Phoenix has come in contact with or spent enough time with to know, you know, like, mentally and physically. Like, at some point, she becomes Wolverine because she needs to track. And the only person that Rachel knows that has super good tracking ability is Wolverine. So she turns into Wolverine in Megan's clothes and then, you know, runs around as Wolverine for a bit. And then she becomes Rogue, too, as well. And uh, several other things. And, like, as far as... Because Rachel, apparently, who is from the future, has been with the X-Men until they die and has met all of them and knows all of them. So it's like, so we randomly get some classic X-Men characters because she's also become Storm, too. So yeah, she, like, she yeah, pops through several of them. Yeah, because she becomes Wolverine, Longshot, Dazzler, Havoc, Storm, Colossus. And finally tries to finish him off as Rogue, but it doesn't yeah, the, work. Well, it gets, you know, she she did the, the one thing she shouldn't do with him, which was touch him. Yep. With, especially with Rogue's powers. Yes. You know. It's like, oh, well, then, you know, then he fucks him up, both of them. Yeah. For and a it's, bit. And it's only because, because uh, Jamie Braddock is all crazy and stuff, Kitty Pride manages to just kind of act like she... She's his mother. Cause he's babysitter. <laughs> yeah. He's he's playing with dolls. Again, we, we kinda get a thing where these are action figures. And then he's playing with these these toys, not you know, not realizing that he's actually got Manipulating this little, people. An entire reality. He yeah. doesn't he yeah, it's so it's like he's got a whole reality that pops up that the Excalibur team is in, but to Jamie Braddock, it's all in his head. So he's playing pretend in his room in front of a fireplace with these dolls going, ah, you know, get her, you know, now you're mine, blah, blah, blah. And 
then doesn't realize he's actually affecting real people. So Kitty's just like, okay, time to go to bed. Here's a good boy, you know, and takes him and puts him in bed. And then, like, shit just disintegrates in the the other reality. Yeah. Then you have that, the reality with, uh, with the Shadow King. Yes. Who's trying, who's trying to create, uh, basically kind of restarting the entire Dark Phoenix saga. Mm Mm-hmm. And He's trying to get control of Rachel. Well he, well, he tries to get control of Jean Grey. No, well, yeah, that too. And and fails, and she dies, so... Yeah, and apparently, Fina, apparently Rachel looks so much like her that she passes off, that she passes as her. God forbid the Shadow King actually look at her and go, Oh, you're not Jean Grey. It's like, she looks enough like her. Yeah. And, but it's, yeah, an entire Phoenix... It, this one is more of a Phoenix-centered uh, thing because... It's, at this time, she believed, I'm trying to remember Inferno, because Inferno does reveal that a lot of these X-Men that were perceived to be dead are actually alive. Mm -hmm. And I don't, yeah, Excalibur, they have a part in it, but it's not anything where they ever saw the X-Men are alive. So at this point, they still believe that Jean Grey is dead. That all the other X-Men are dead. So this is Rachel uh, kind of, ex, you know, kind of getting through her feelings about the death of her mother. Yeah. And Because not only that, she, even in just these last few issues, she's already seen the one from the Mars mission, or the, the Mars issue, die again. She's already like, why every time? Why is it I lose you every fucking time? But it, this is also her kind of coming, try, trying to excise the demons of her having been controlled and manipulated by yeah. uh, all the people. Because in the future that she came from, she was a hound. Her entire thing was she's going to hunt down other mutants for Ahab, the bad guy from that. Yeah. And she, you know, she also got manipulated by Mojo in the Mojoverse. So she does not like the idea of someone trying to control her and she going to fuck shit up. Which, it, when they said that, I just, I, I immediately went, fucking Shatterstar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. We most people only know the Mojo verse either well from two things: the X Men cartoon, or nowadays from Deadpool two because yeah. it's an off, just an off. Just <laughs> some random drop in there. As far as like, oh, I'm from Mojo World, and I'm just like shattered star. But yeah, it. This is the this is the one with uh, Iron Man is a American terrorist. Oh, okay, so this is this is the one where America lost the Revolutionary War and all of our founding fathers are hung and drawn and quartered for treason. So now it's modern day and Iron Man and Captain America are on two different sides of the same argument as far as, like, Captain America is like, okay, you know, yeah, I have no problem. We should, like, legally fight to become our own country. And Iron Man's like, nope, the only way to do it is to be a terrorist. Yeah, and... Which is still, if you think about it, totally on brand for Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) But this this is one of the few times where you actually kind of get a decent enough Captain Britain because mm-hmm. Megan is fighting Cap uh, is fighting Iron Man and Iron Man kind of has this you know it's like well if you women want your uh, oh your, yeah uh, he's very chauvinistic and yeah. Uh, yeah if you want your equality I you gotta I take to, your lumps yeah because I'm gonna beat your ass yeah and Captain Britain and his uh, his that reality's counterpart who had you know been beating the crap out of each other earlier kind of come together and like like um. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, 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 very, it's very funny how often. 
often Brian meets his own counterpart in these things, where it's just like, you know, they show up and they're, you know, they may randomly cause some trouble, they may not, and then all of a sudden, who, oh, I'm fighting myself. Great, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, there's literally an issue in Captain in Captain Britain when the first one of the first times he's out out in this multi reality where he's fighting himself or a version of himself, and it's he's commenting on it and then stops and goes, "Have you ever really stepped back and wondered out loud some of the stuff we actually say?" <laughs> it, like the the I think I want to say this is from the Alan Moore. Uh, run from Captain Britain, where it's just he sat there with you know these comics are really fucking <laughs> nutty at times. I was like, yep, I cannot believe that those words just came out of my mouth. But yeah, and they they escape this. They they essentially stop World War Three from happening. They go into the Judge Dread world, and around this time is exa- the, oh, the one with um um with with uh, the Shadow King. So like my my I have a basic knowledge. of of David Xavier is yeah David yeah David Haller from... yeah yeah and well I'd say you know Xavier because that's technically who his father is but whatever yeah. from Legion I yeah. know the I know the basics of Legion and I've watched the FX show and so when I saw because like I have limited knowledge of the Shadow King in the comics so when I saw him in there and I was like oh my gosh they picked like the perfect person to play him on FX the only difference is he's not fat he's not a giant fat dude yeah. like other than that looks spot on well it's like even that show literally did take one of the most iconic things of the Shadow King versus Xavier and uh, and did it in that show which was the we, we never see who Xavier is at that time but the whole confrontation of them where he, Xavier walks up they basically just kind of stand there for a moment and then uh, Farouk just falls over. Yeah. Is you know, like almost shot for shot in the comic. Okay. Which was very appreciative. But this not not necessarily the final arc of it, but one of the things that leads up to the end is also where we were talking about Courtney Ross, our evil uh Saturnine, basically seducing Kitty Pride in the most creepiest of ways. Oh yeah. So like when Kitty gets sent to six one six, I don't actually think Widget did that on purpose. He just opened a portal and it happened to be to six one six. So she ends up in Jamie Braddock's house. And after she puts Jamie away, you know, to sleep or whatever, uh, apparently his mom is still downstairs, too. Ooh, and it's, their, it's their nanny. Show. It's their yeah. nanny who's oh, okay. been dead. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Did, yeah, I know. Didn't know that. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense as far as, like, how she talks and stuff then. And then uh, Courtney shows up, and apparently it's Kitty's birthday, and she's turning 15. Yep. And so, like, Courtney's like, well, what do you want to do? So they go to... I know they go to dinner. They also go clothes shopping, and like there's some creepiness with a birthday cake. That yeah, that's one of the first <laughs> things is Courtney yes, Courtney Ross kinda comes in with this birthday cake and she's grabs a little bit of frosting and is putting it in her mouth yeah. and you just kinda feel very skeeved out. <laughs> I know I do, especially, well, and apparently Kitty's semi-into it because of what she says when she actually, like, licks the frosting off, where it's just like, okay, and, you know, then they go clothes shopping, they go out to dinner, and then they do so. they do so. oh, they go to, like, a, they go to a club, They, they I go guess. to Paris, yeah, they go to well, Paris. Well, yeah, they go, they, they go to Paris, and they go to, like, a jazz club, and, you know, Kitty's dancing with some dude. 
food. And then the next morning, as Kitty's arriving home, God forbid, a 15-year-old alone in fucking Paris all night long with some rando dude comes back home in the morning and she gives her a car. Yeah. And I'm just like... Oh, who's it's, trying to boot <laughs> exactly? Like, trying it's, to buy her off. Yeah, and meanwhile, get Kitty to be a sugar baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and meanwhile, yeah, Excalibur ends up in a Judge Dread universe where mutants are disallowed until it turns out. Oh, well, actually, it's not so much mutants; it's powers in general because the once the like. Uh, not Grand Inquisitor, but, you know, something like that yeah, shows up. Like, it's... The, like, basically, yeah, the the highest uh, people on the council of, of yeah. the judges, in quotation marks, yeah. because I forget what they call them. They're justices? Yeah, it's like, the, like Justicar or something yeah, like that's that. that's it, Justicar, yeah. And it's Brian Braddock and uh, Psylocke, both who have powers, and they have to stop uh, Magic, who, you know, the Dark Child, because at that, at that point she had been gone, she had gone to hell, she became a evil demonic sorceress, and all these things. And, because comics. Yeah. <laughs> so she's manipulating that, trying to manipulate that reality so she can control it, and, you know, oh no, our, we don't like powers. Oh wait, our head has powers. Okay, we need to reevaluate everything. Well, and they, they explain how it kind of got out of hand as far as, yeah, you know. Yeah, because let's make, let's but all be it, honest. It was... Super, in a lot of these things, why the hell does anyone live in New York City? Yeah, I don't get it. So, okay, so basically if you took the Mad Magazine issue and put it, like... Made in, it serious. In the, well, yeah. no, put it in the time, in like in a, in a timeline before the Jessica one, then that makes sense. Because, in a way, that world, it was, like, it was a giant mess. Superheroes fighting, and, like, they're just destroying buildings, and it's just constant. So, basically, what they did was they made being a mutant and having powers illegal. And, like, if you looked different, like Nightcrawler immediately gets snatched up for being a mutant because he looks different. Meanwhile, everyone else is like, oh, I guess powers are uh, illegal here, so we're just gonna lay low and not say anything. Yeah. And so, basically, they made it illegal so that the fighting would stop. So that they could take everybody, separate them, and say no. And then at once everything calmed down, then it just got to be a, a prejudice. Where it's like over time, where if, especially with this one Jessica, she was just like... Yeah, our, she, she, our, it was It was literally dread. I am yeah, the our, law. Yeah, our judge dread in this thing is a woman. Yes. Yes, she is. And you never really see her face. You just see, you know, she never takes her helmet off. As as you should, if you're going to be Judge Dredd, you never yeah. take off the helmet. Yeah. Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, throwing shade at, <laughs> at a guy who, even in his, in his old age, could still kick my ass. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. He definitely could. He could kick my ass, too. That's fine. But, yeah, and, and it turned, and they get out of that and finally end up in, in the overworld or... Other well, world or whatever it's called. Saturnine and messages them and says, "Okay, you guys are fucking shit up. I'm bringing you here so we can get this shit straightened out because I don't know what the hell y'all are doing, but it's messy." Yeah, it, they still want Phoenix. It's like, where is Phoenix? Because they disguise her as Kitty Pride, and well, they attempt to. Yeah, and not, and that's that's where we get the Alan, it's, the Alan Davis. Yeah, she looks. She's taller than her uh, that she's supposed to be. Yeah, and she looks older. Yeah, well, 
tell and, and then they're like, I grew up. I'm a teenager. Like, I got taller. Or, you know, I aged some. Like, meh. But yeah, they they have their they have their fight. Uh, they they fight various uh, Captain Britain Corps members from other realities, <laughs> and it just kind of goes into a all right, you know, Saturday night just kind of just shows up like all right, knock this shit off. Oh, I do not. Uh, I just see Kitty Pride here. It would be a shame if they were hiding Phoenix, but obviously they're not hiding Phoenix. So yeah. let's just send them back home. Yeah, she basically gives them a pass, being like, all right, I guess if she's with you guys. She's not causing too much trouble, so uh, I guess we'll just let this slide for now. Yeah, so they make it back to their home base. Yep. She fixes Widget so that they can physically go where they want to go, because up until now they haven't had any control over where they go. And now Phoenix and Widget can decide where they want to go. And this arc itself ends on a cliffhanger. They make it home. And Galactus is waiting for them. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Well, no, they, they did come across Galactus earlier. Yeah, he's he's the one who wipes out the Impossible Man's universe for being too silly. Oh, yeah. And then they, they're like, but why are you doing this? And he says to he says to Phoenix that, you know, she's too much of a wild card to be allowed to exist either. And that he would come for her eventually. So at the end of the arc, there he is yeah. showing up to collect on his... His word there. So it was like, obviously, the Galactus of multiple dimensions is still Galactus. It's still the same guy. Yeah, it, Galactus is, for as messy as all these characters can be, Galactus is messy as shit. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I could not tell you if he knows things from other dimensions or what, but... I... I'd like to think that he is like the eraser that the comic book artists use. While they might work on different stuff, it's the same eraser, the same thing, you know, because that's basically what he does. He comes and removes shit that's not supposed to be there, at least according to him. So, you know, he thinks that world was too silly and it's screwing up the time thing. So he's been ordered or he believes that he has to go wipe it from existence. So he goes and does that. And then, you know, he meets Phoenix while they're still there because they run from him as he's destroying the planet. And, you know, he says he's coming for her. Well, it's, I believe it's the same Galactus. It's the same thing. It's like there's the, he shares his consciousness with all of his other, other things. It's, his multi-reality is kind of a weird hive mind. Yes. Sort of it's, thing. It's all the same thing. He, he all, if he learns it, all of them know it. Okay. I can buy into that. Yeah. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> no. I think anyway. Now, there isn't any direct, as far as I, as far as I know, there were no direct repercussions of Nazi Courtney Ross until years later, where they finally got around to addressing it. <laughs> and, yeah, because I have, I have some of those issues I bought uh, a couple of, you know, months and months ago. They finally, and I'm talking like years down the line, finally get around just going, oh yeah, by the way, Courtney Ross, yeah, she's that Nazi one from this other dimension, and as far as I know, she's never actually been stopped or taken back. I think she's still <laughs> kicking around 616. <laughs> I was gonna be like, she's around here Somewhere? Yeah, it's like I want to say prior to the this uh, the relaunch of the X Men line that's happening right now. Uh, as far as I know, she's part of the Hellfire Club. I think <laughs> that does make sense because well, uh, well, and like I know, I know Emma Frost pops up in here because she's 
Uh, that's the, in the issue with uh, the Shadow King. Yeah. She was the link that provided the opportunity to try to go after Jean Grey. It was, you know, because he couldn't reach her telepathically. Yeah, they dominate. A, they dominate the White Queen. Yeah, so. and they kill her. Yeah. So, and then they—that's why they needed. They needed some other telepath to try to get to Jean, which is why they went after Phoenix. But yeah, we've actually gotten through the entire cross time caper. Now, I have to ask, if I threw another thing of Excalibur in front of you, not necessarily to record about, but just say, hey, would you like to read, would you like to read the setup? <laughs> the first, the first 11 issues. Would you be down for that? Uh, maybe. Because this was silly, and I might like to read the setup for it just to have that, and then reread this to be able to. Now, okay, now everything's more get contextualized. The, get the whole thing together rather than that you're just gonna chuck me in in the middle. Because that was one of the things I did not enjoy about this was one being chucked into the middle, and then two every time they went to a new dimension, you were chucked in the middle. It wasn't like you. Uh, there was a uh, maybe one or two of the issues where you were chucked in and when they appeared you got to see from when they appeared it was like they were just thrown into random situations and they would cut back and forth between other stories and you come back and you're like okay like the western one it's like we only got to see the end as they're running back to the train and you're like i want to know how did they get in this situation why is someone wearing a bear suit like <laughs> no but although on that note i should probably throw a bunch of exiles at you because that is it is X-Men meets Quantum Leap where oh, it's God. they they go and visit all sorts of different realities and have to fix something in them. Yeah. But you get a little more time in a lot of these realities. Okay, cuz yeah, like there's some that are just where it's like they chuck you in right at the end of one and you're like, oh no, and then they're off to another one or, you know, like the one in Mars or whatever where come in and you have no idea where anyone is. You you come in in the middle and you don't get to see how people got separated or anything like that. Like, they say that, like, Nightcrawler got sucked out and then that was it. It was like, that was all the explanation you got. You just, whoop, there you go. Yeah, it's, I came across Excalibur from listening to a, another podcast where they're basically uh, a podcast called Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men and they started kind of going throughout the multiple uh, X-Men lines and when they got to Excalibur they started with the Captain Britain stuff and I'm going okay this sounds insane so uh, over Christmas I went and got the Alan Moore one and went holy crap this is insane and awesome <laughs> and they started going into Excalibur and it's like going, you know what this I knew of this book, but I had no interest in it. And when and they now I do. Yeah, and when they started talking cross time caper, I'm going, Holy crap, I need this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so so insane batshit nutty that I can't wait to read this. Yeah. And that's and that's where I started was with this, and then I jumped back to their first issues. So yeah. so I kind of I read this slightly out of context too. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, even though, yes, I technically had a little more context. It's, it's always my biggest like, hurdle It's as far as, because you know me, I'm a completionist. I want everything. If I come across a book that I think looks interesting, but, it, oh, it's book three of a series, I'm going to go back and find one. So for me to jump in in the middle of something is very, very against my nature. 
So Let's... when, you know, it's like, uh, I started Squirrel Girl and I had to make sure that I get all the issues of Squirrel Girl and I am still not caught up and like Deadpool has been going on forever. I know I'm just going to have to pick a spot and start, but like, ugh, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. It, and, but that's also the thing where Marvel, like the old Marvel credo is every comic is someone's first issue. So I do kind of feel like I want to put some of that to the test every now and then where you go, let's jump into the middle of something. Something. Does this shit make sense? Well, but, and, like, with this, where it's, like, they drop you in, and I had to figure out who the people were. Like, and let alone the people that I didn't recognize what their powers were. Like, I did not know Megan, Captain Britain, Alistair Stewart, and I assumed when they called her Phoenix that her set of powers and a basic understanding of who she was, but the only ones that I knew by sight and without name were Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler. Those were the only two that I was like oh okay then the next one was Phoenix I still it took me a bit to actually figure to out what Megan like to figure out Megan and Captain Britain although I assume that Captain Britain based on based on his, the name at least based on his name and his outfit that he was basically the British version of Captain America that could fly yeah and again it's not necessarily too far off yeah but so at least thumbs up yes. at the end of the day yes I did like it it was entertaining there's plenty of jokes and pop references because they do randomly throw some pop culture in there, even if it is 1989 yeah. pop culture. Yeah, 89, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there, there's definitely some, let alone, you know, the outfits they pick. And they're <laughs> just looking going, ooh, <laughs> ooh, okay. And yeah, well, I think on that note, uh, listeners, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, you can find us on uh, Retro Rocket Entertainment. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. You have none of that. I have none of that. I am a weirdo. I have no Twitter, no Instagram, no nothing. So, uh, nope, I'm a little mushroom <laughs> in the dark. Thank you. <laughs> but Thank you, listeners, and we'll see you next time. Yep, later.